This is the Fireground Action Photography Podcast, Episode 11, Web Designer Andrew Greenstein. Hello and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling. I am your humble host, back for another week of podcasting. Joining me today in Fire Camp, we'll call it Fire Camp today, why not? I call it something different every week. We travel a lot. Um, is uh, an old friend of the show, but a, a very talented website designer and graphic designer in his own right. His name is Andrew Greenstein. Welcome to the studio, Andrew. Craig, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming. You came all the way from Phoenix just to be on the show, didn't just, you? Just, just to be here from Phoenix, Arizona. Excellent, excellent. Well, you have a, a wonderful uh, little company you do on the side. You have a, a, a broadcasting job uh, mainly, but you do uh, web design and graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I've seen your graphic designs over the years. You, 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 what's the website you have with all the hockey? Uh... Uh, that's NHLuniforms.com. And that's, in fact, how I got started with web design. I taught myself how to uh, do HTML and JavaScript and uh, put the uh, website together. And uh, years later, it's still going strong. That's how, our, how it all started. That's huh? how it all started. And that, I mean, that's an incredible site. It's a very simple site. And since we're, we're, we're talking today, the main topic is, is websites, photo websites, websites, what makes for a good website What's a good idea? What's a bad idea? But as far as your your hockey jersey uh, website, I mean, if, if somebody goes to that site now, and we'll put the link uh, in the show notes for everybody, so you don't have to worry about writing it down, is you you it, it shows all of a history of of NHL hockey jerseys, uniform mm-hmm. jerseys. But what people might not realize is that you created all of those by hand, right? Yes, uh, I created the jersey and the uh, uh, pants and socks. I'd created the template, but what I've done in uh, more recent versions, if you will, is I've actually taken the logos from the internet, resized them, size them in proportion with the jersey, and then put those on there just to give it a cleaner look mm-hmm. so that they don't look uh, totally hand-drawn. So I, I wanted to do it so that People will look at that, and actually, some people actually mistake them for photos instead of illustrations. Right. It's a, it's, it looks like a whole lot of work went into each of those. And you go th- back through the history of, of the jerseys. All those back, teams have changed uniforms. All the way back to 1917, 1918, the first year of the NHL. Well, you, you're funny. You don't look that old. <laughs> anyway, but, you're, uh, but aside from that, you have AMG Web Design is mm-hmm. your web design company. Tell us how that, how that got started. Well, after I completed my NHL uniforms website, I decided to branch out and uh, do uh, websites for other small businesses and uh, a couple uh, bigger businesses. I did this website for a company back in Massachusetts that sells rain barrels. And so they have me uh, maintaining their website and maintaining their e-commerce section of their website. Okay, because that's something we're going we're gonna to talk mm-hmm. about this show is about the e-commerce. And I've done that for a few years, and it's uh, a complete joy. And a few years ago, I actually redesigned the website of the credit union that I belong to out in Arizona. Okay. Well, I've seen your site. I've seen and on your website for AMG Web Design, you can see samples of sites you've you've created, right? Yes. And absolutely. What, and what is what is the URL for your uh, your company? That's just amgwebdesign.com. 
Okay, well, that's probably another point we can talk about is how to come up with an easy domain name mm-hmm. for your company. Um, but, yeah, you can go there and see samples of some of the websites Andrew has uh, has designed, and it's uh, some really great stuff. Very very graphical, very very uh, visually uh, attractive websites. It gets your kind of creativity going. Um, but we want to talk about websites today. We've had some emails from some listeners who have uh, concerns and questions about how to, how to create a good website, not only a website but a photo website because we have – Photographers listening to this show, we're about photography. So our big concern is how to create a good professional website to display our photos, whether it be just to anybody surfing the web or to photo editors out there. So professionalism is an issue. But I think that probably the best way to start here is what, what in, in your professional opinion, are characteristics of a good website? Well, characteristic number one is it has to be easy to navigate. Okay. You know, it has to be something where it's simple, so you just have a clear menu, whether at the top or on the side. Uh, it looks pleasing to the eye without without it being too over-designed or too cluttered. You want to have your photos to be the main focal point of your website. So easy to navigate is number one. Okay. Now, how are we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but what makes a website easy to navigate versus a website that's difficult to navigate is it the fact that uh, a home page is is cluttered has too much graphically going on it's visually confusing or is it uh, just the manner in which you lay out the actual controls you know home well, to photos your different links to get to different parts of the well, website well well a little of both uh, your site shouldn't be cluttered you know your link should be clearly defined uh, if you if you must use icons for your links, make sure that they'll know exactly what those icons are. You know, don't use hieroglyphics or anything like that. Um, for a photo website, the best would be just simple text uh, links. You know, home, uh, portfolio, photo gallery, or whatever you want to call it. About me, contact, and what okay. have you. Uh, feel free to use subtle colors. You know, as backgrounds. Uh, not so, and don't try to use patterns so that it draws your attention away from the main focal point of your website, that being your photos. Okay, and that's something you do see out there is people will use their own photo and maybe tile it as a background or something. You don't and, want to do that, and and that's conf- makes for a confusing screen. You can also subdue those a bit. You know, you can take uh, take down the opacity of of those fi- pictures just to make them a little more subtle. If you must but it use... really should have a, a, a plain background because anything mm-hmm. else would take away from the actual photos, which is the whole purpose of the site. If right? you must use a photo on your page, you know, as a background, you know, do it like in in your header and make your photo and um kind of change the the tone of the color so that it looks more like a background image rather than something that would jump out at you. Um, so, uh, soften the colors a little bit, just put it just on the top end on your top banner. Okay. Like behind the, your website name or yes. your name as a background for that. That's right. But keep it out of the background of the main part of the website. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. And, and we, we were talking about what, what characteristics of a, a bad website are. And, and there are some, there are things you see surfing the web, looking at different photographers website and, and every to each his own. But, you know, if we're looking at some kind of standard tips for a photographer that's putting together a website, you see some websites uh, and fire-related photo websites too where you tend to find uh, Bing. Uh, muffins are ready. Um, 
you, you tend to see find some graphics out there, you know. Like when I started my website years ago, you know, I found some animations of a fireman running across the screen and putting out a little fire, or a fire engine coming under the screen. Under the screen. Um, and I came to find that one, these didn't look too professional, but two, they they cluttered the screen. They dis- they took away from the photographs, and we're going to say it a hundred times today, but it comes down to displaying your photographs. Everything else is a distraction, right? Yes. And you know the other th- the other point you make yeah, with the fireman going across the screen, you don't want to design your website and make it look like your nine year old son designed it. You, know, ah. you, actually, you actually want to actually design it so that it has a clean appearance to it. Uh, not not doesn't necessarily mean fancy, mm-hmm. but just a very clean appearance that's easy to navigate and that it looks professional. And that's interesting an interesting point because in a lot of those moving graphics do look pretty cheesy. And kind of childlike, as neat as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something that you may find on a MySpace page. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, simple is better when displaying photographs, yes. right? Because it's not just your website. You can do whatever you want for your website. But if you're there to present your photos, it's about presenting the photos. And if you want to have a separate website just for presenting photos that you're going to have keep clean, put all that other garbage on maybe your personal, your fun website. Right? Sure, yeah, put those on your MySpace page. Oh, there you go, or Facebook, or, or mm-hmm. whatever you have. And you want a professional, professional look. And, and you can convey professionalism typically by all the things we've mentioned so far, keeping it clean, keeping it simple, easy to navigate. And your professional, think professional is, okay, are you putting together this website for the world to see, just kind of surfing around, playing around? You want it to be a fun website or is it a website that you are going to direct photo editors to and publishers to look at your work? Well, if you're going to be directing your website towards publishers and photo editors, obviously that's all the more reason to keep your website professional. If one of those uh, – if a photo editor looks at your website and it has a picture of a fireman running across the screen and putting a fire out like you know, or have it designed like your 9-year-old son designed it, chances are he's probably not going to use you. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. And – um, one thing, one big question a lot of people have out there, and there are two schools of thought on it, it's music. It's incorporating music into a website. I strongly advise against that for two reasons. Number one, when you go to a website, you know, if so, all of a sudden you hear music playing and you don't expect it, you know, that's not, in my opinion, that's not very good. It can, can scare the heck out of you if oh, the sure speakers are turned up really loud or something. All of a sudden, yeah, there's music. Scare you and your family, but, too. But in an, in, there's an acceptable, almost a more acceptable way of incorporating music into a website, I would say. And that's maybe if, you can, if, you, if it doesn't start playing automatically when you go to a website. That drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe no, no more, matter what website it is, whether it be a photo website or, or whatever. Right. But more appropriate, uh, a more appropriate place for it within a website is maybe when you're watching a slideshow of photos. You know, if you're just looking through the galleries, just kind of browsing through the website, you don't want music. You don't want to have to turn music on. You don't want to have to turn music off. You don't want to have to adjust your speakers. But I would say maybe if you click on a certain slideshow where you're going to sit back and, and have this presentation appear in front of you, Maybe that's where some appropriate music as a soundtrack would go. The other thing to keep in mind is that music takes up a lot of bandwidth. So especially if you have, if you design your homepage where you have music coming up automatically, it may take so long for that page to load up. Depending on what the internet connection is of the people who are going to your website, it may take so long to go to that website that if it crashes their system or whatever, 
they'll just go somewhere else. And they'll never go back. And they'll never go like a never photo go editor. Back. We'll never go back. That's and right. And photo editors, I've learned over the years, you need to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But you also, like uh, along the lines of what you're saying, you need to keep it quick. Yes. Things have to transition quickly. They have to be able to navigate quickly because they're busy people. If they're taking the time to go to your website, don't make them sit through loading, 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 loading just to see a flash graphic or something that has nothing to do with it or even – and along those lines, as far as sizing of images, let's, let's kind of transition to that. Sizing of, of images is – Somebody looking at your images on a computer screen is never going to get better than 72 DPI, right? That is correct. So there's no need to save a file and upload it to your website at 300 DPI for many reasons, well, including no, you, the fact that it's going to take longer to load. That's right. You never want to save an image that you'll use on your website at 300 DPI. The only time you would ever use that is if you're going to make a print for a magazine newspaper or whatever. That's the only time you'd ever want to use 300 DPI is in a print a uh, uh, print application. Okay. Now, what, what would what kind of sizing would you recommend for a photo website? Well, of course, you know, seventy two DPI, which mm-hmm. is what we talked about. Uh, for thumbnail images, maybe um, one hundred by one hundred uh, pixels uh, for your for your thumbnails. And when you um, bring bring it up, it should be about the size of a three by five index card. I, I think that'll give people you know the gist of of what you're doing there. So would you suggest uploading different sizes of the image and using them in those different roles? Or would you just upload one size and then resize it in the different viewing platforms? You'd resize it to 100 by 100 to be a thumbnail, then you'd make it a little bigger. Would you, or would you upload and save 100 by 100 pixel shot, another one that's 3 by 5 how, what's the I, best way to go about doing that? I've, I've done both. I guess it, it all depends on how it would look on the screen uh, in each application. If, if if you take your full-size image and you do in your coding that uh, you want it to be sized this pixel, this amount of number of pixels by this number of pixels, and it comes across either choppy or grainy or whatever, you may want to have it re- pre-resized, if you will. Right, because you, you can't make it bigger. No. And have it look good. You can make it smaller. You can, you can make it smaller, but you can't make it bigger. But I find sometimes when you make an image smaller on a website, it it doesn't look as good. There's That's something right. about the way it the way it interpolates or something when you're making it the, smaller. The way it compresses, that, yes. Okay. Sometimes it'll look good. Other times it won't. If if you find that it doesn't look good, you may want to resize it yourself and then upload the photo twice. Because a lot of people would think it'd be easier just to shrink it down and make it smaller, but you'll find sometimes, and I've never really understood mm-hmm. why un- until you clarified it here, as to why why it doesn't look better, why it just wouldn't get smaller like and the, look fine. Like the images on my NHL uniforms website. Uh, when, I tried, when I first put it together several years ago, I actually tried to uh, have it resized just through my HTML code, but it did, those images just didn't look good. So all the images that you see on that site, there are uh, three images per team per season. There's a small image, another small image with uh, like a, an, an effect where if you run your mouse over it, a background uh, lights up like it's turning on. So that you know that that's the image that you're going to mm-hmm. click on. So it kind of highlights that. Highlights image for that. You. Okay. And then when you click on it, then another bigger image comes up. So there are three different images that I have. Now that may or may not be necessary uh, with some photo websites, depending on the file format that you save it in or other factors. 
Uh, it all comes down to how it will look on your screen in the finished product. Okay. I want to come back to that highlighting feature, okay. but I want to stay on this on sizing mm-hmm. of images. One for uh, viewability, if that's a word. I might have just invented a word. It's mine. No, I, you have I to pay me to use it. I, no. I, I think you'll find that in your Funkin' Wagnalls. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, as far as, you know, not only are you sizing pictures properly for the website uh, for speed, because, look, if you have a, a you know a two-meg photo on a website, that's going to take a heck of a lot longer to, to load for somebody just to see it. And the last thing you want is a photo editor sitting there watching loading, loading, loading. It's not necessary. It, the quality, it's not going to improve the quality. And I think there's a, there's a misunderstanding up, out there, people thinking that it's going to look better on the screen if it's a higher resolution or, or a bigger file, but it's not. And you bring, bring it up can a only very, be so good. And you bring up a very good point. If you have uh, your, a, a film strip of your thumbnail images, you know, if you have all those images being full size, just shrunk down a uh, certain number of pixels by a certain number of pixels, that could take a lot longer for that. Uh, film strip to load. If you have smaller images in the thumbnail strip, then it'll it'll it won't take as long to load. Okay. Now, and with bigger files comes more bandwidth. Yes. So if you're limited through your hosting service or whatever for bandwidth, bigger files are going to take up obviously more bandwidth. They're going to take longer to load uh, and take up more room on your server. You may have limited space available on your server for storage of files. That's another good point. That's another reason why you never want to put a 300 DPI image on your website. And along those lines, you put it, you know, you're, you're showing a, uh, an image on your website. It's 300 DPI. Now, if somebody wants to right-click that and save that, are they saving a 300 DPI image or are they saving a 72 DPI image? No, they are saving a 300 DPI image. What it'll, what it'll do... Because they're saving the file, right? They're, they're saving the file. It could be a 300 DPI image, but what they're doing is that when, when you bring it up on your screen, it's going to be like three times the size of your screen capacity. So you're going to have to you use a horizontal but you can resize it. Right. You, you can resize you You can save that image... You know, onto your hard drive at 300 DPI, um, but I would I would hate for security reasons and 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 theft is you know you put this 300 DPI image on your website mm-hmm. oh it's huge I have to resize that so you shrink it down with the, from the corners or something and you make it fit in the screen mm-hmm. it doesn't make the the file size smaller it just makes the presentation of the image smaller if somebody right clicks that image they're downloading a high resolution yes image of yours right. Yeah, that's exactly so what yet, they're doing. So maybe even the, almost the most important reason not to have it be a high-resolution file that's you, you'll being never, displayed. You'll never make money. You'll never make money, but you'll have people stealing it left and right. Mm-hmm. If they want to steal a 100-pixel by 100-pixel 72 DPI image, party on. Yeah. Right? Because well, it's going to like, yeah. look like garbage. What are you going to do with it? I have no idea. Right. And, and I think we've all seen people try to use them for things, and it's pretty obvious, especially to a photographer's eye. Absolutely. But that's a scary thought, and something I haven't considered in a while is even 150 DPI. Some people just kind of cut that in half, put it on the website, think it'll look better. Again, it won't, mm-hmm. but 150 DPI is a printable image. So why are you handing out your high-resolution, yeah. printable, usable images on your website? The thing is, you know, you can pretty much make any image on any website 300 DPI. There are software programs for you to do that. For instance, if you go to my NHL uniforms website – and you click on one of the jerseys from any one of the years, and you can actually make that image a 300, uh, 300 DPI image. What it won't be is the size that you see on the screen. It may be the size 
of you know of a half of a three by five index card. Okay, because the, either the information is there or it's not, right? That's right. Now, as far as uh, protecting your images on a website, whether you do it one, you know, there are, I think there are several layers of security you need to use when building a photo website. One of them is the file sizes themselves, seventy two DPI. Maybe save it as the size you want to present it on the screen. That way, you know, you're not shrinking it down and providing mm-hmm. possibly a larger, more usable image to the public. Um, but alongside that is, and we've talked about this on previous shows, is disabling the right-click function. And there is HTML code out there, which we've given out in other in other shows. And I'll put a link back to that uh, in the show notes for this show, so you can find that again. Works with Firefox and uh, Internet Explorer, and basically, people viewing your your website can't use the right click feature on their mouse to basically save mm-hmm. an image. Uh, are you familiar with with the process of doing that? Is I am. That, yeah. Uh, the one caveat, though, is that if you're computer savvy enough, if the, the if the end user is computer savvy enough, I should say. If they really want that image that they're seeing on the screen, they'll get it. There are ways for them to get it, and there's very little that you as the web designer or the photo website editor can do about it. I, I, you know, I would hope to think that most photographers out there aren't under the belief that anything you can do on your website is completely secure. I think no. you're, you're exposing your work. You're showing your work for a reason so the world can see it, so editors can see it, so possible clients can see it. But I think... All the security measures you take are really just keeping the honest people honest. Absolutely. Because a lot of people just surf in the web out there, don't mo- know any more than the right click to take a picture. So you're disabling, disabling that. And likely you're going to prevent 80% per- of the people looking at your website out there from taking a photo. All, all it takes is someone to take an image on your website without the right click. There are programs that, you can, that can take a screenshot of your computer screen and just crop it to where they just where they just have that photo, and voila, they've got it. Okay. So if they want your picture, they're going to get it. That's right. But let them get a crappy version of it. Absolutely. <laughs> a real low-resolution <laughs> low version. Yeah. If, if, if they have More a 72 DPI them. that uh, measures on your screen, let's say, 600 by 400 pixels, if they want to use that photo, if they want to make that a 300 DPI, that's only going to be the size of half of an index card. Okay. Good. Yeah, see what they can do with that. Yeah, if, if they're looking to use that to hang up on their wall, good luck. It's right. not going to look good. Exactly. Let them have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Now, we had talked a little bit, uh, I think, yesterday um, about clear coating. There's a way I had been familiar or heard of a way to, to kind of put a clear coat over your, over your entire page or over an image. So if somebody does right-click on an image to save it, all they're actually saving is kind of a clear coat mm-hmm. that's over the image. Now, you knew of a way to do that. Well, there are a couple ways you can do that. One is to... Uh, make your image actually as a background image and then make the image just, you know, a blank, uh, uh, a transparent art file. So that's one way you can do that. Uh, the other way is to do an animated GIF. I, for photos, I don't really recommend GIF files just because that limits you to 256 colors. So with a photo um, that it's going to really affect the the color yes well yeah the the colors yes (laughs) see i didn't know that i didn't know that the gif was gif yeah i use gif for my hockey uniforms website because those are all illustrations and they're all 
limited in in the amount of colors that they're oh, using. Oh, sure, yeah. Right? I don't have to worry about background images or anything like that. Okay. Uh, so those I save as GIS. Photos you probably want to save as JPEGs or PNGs or another file name. But if you if you do use GIFs, you can do an animated an animated GIF, whereas the first frame. Which, when you right-click on an animated GIF file, it's just going to save that first frame. Okay. So that first frame could be either just a blank image or an image that says, you know, this file was uh, stolen from exactly. whatever. Exactly, yeah, 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 And then just in a split second, one one-thousandth of a second, go to the main image. But if you right-click, even though you're watching... It's 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 transitioning so fast on your screen you don't notice it. That's right because one one thousandth of a second is much too fast for the human eye to process. Okay, we just went through like six hundred of those. Exactly. Just talking about yeah, um, but if you were to right click on it, because see, because originally when we were talking about this, I thought, well, then is if you have two images and a blank mm-hmm. image or whatever it is, and the photo itself. If you right-click on it, isn't there a 50-50 chance you're going to right-click on the photo? No, and you, you no, told me not. what? Uh, no, no, there's not. It's when you do an animated GIF, at least in my experience, when you right-click to save it, it's just going to save just that first image. So the, so the in, first in, in frame animation. in that animation is going to be the clear coat, the, the blank screen, the, mm-hmm. this image stolen from, exactly. courtesy of, uh-huh. but it's not going to save the is second it, frame, which is the actual image. That is correct. Well, that's interesting. Now, is that something that's fairly easy for anybody to do, or would, is that a complicated I, process? I, you know, I use a program to uh, do animated GIF files. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's uh, still sold. I use Animation Shop. But you would recommend, because of the limitation in colors in the presentation, yeah. you'd recommend your first option, which is making it a background. And, and what's the process for that? Well, some some things you can do is you can uh, create a table, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and make the uh, table size the size of your photo. Make the background of that table your file, your uh, your photo, and then just use the image as just a blank, uh, uh, transparent uh, image, oh, which is just just one big transparent color, absolutely nothing. Uh, Interesting. Now, can that be a JPEG? No, that, that would has be, to be that, a, that would a clear be a, that GIF. That would actually be a GIF, but you can do it with that because it's just one color. But you can make a GIF transparent anyway. That's exactly right. You okay. can make uh, GIFs transparent. I don't think you could do transparencies with other file formats. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, a JPEG wouldn't work though. No, would it? because no matter what color you make it, it's going to be on top. It's going to be a a solid frame that's going to cover the background. But exactly. that's a, that's an interesting idea. I never even thought of that because I used tables on my own website, mm-hmm. but I never thought of using the image as the background. As the for background, the table. yes. So okay. that way, when they go to right-click to save it, if they if that's the avenue that they choose to use, then they're just going to be saving just a blank image. Interesting. A blank, uh, transparent image. That's a good tip right there. I, wow. Hey, I learn something every minute How about on this that? show. Every minute. While we're on the topic of the actual images, what are your what are your take? What's your take on uh, watermarking? I think if you can cover, if you take a three by five index card, and that's not big enough to cover your image then I would recommend watermarking it. It doesn't have to be all that you know noticeable, but just something so that if someone does try to steal it from your website, they'll see this huge watermark over your, your image so that uh, it wouldn't look good. And when you do watermark it, make sure that you watermark it over the main part of your photo. Don't do it at the bottom of, of the photo. There, or it can just a, be cropped out. Yeah, they'll just crop that out and right. then... Now, do you 
Okay. As far now, see, in talking about this is, mm-hmm. you know, the purpose of displaying photos on my website is to display photos on my website mm-hmm. and allow people people to view the photos. I don't. I'm not a big fan of making people try and see the photo through a big gobbledygook of proof or copyright and all that. But is there there's a more subtle way to do oh, it? Oh, there, there is, and it, it doesn't have to be all that noticeable. It can just be. Just a very subtle just watermark, like a real light shade of gray, low opacity, and all where it's just a, almost like a absolutely or a film like, over it, like co- or copyright Craig Durling or proof mm-hmm. or whatever. Just something so. That- I would suggest everybody out there put copyright Craig Durling on all of your photos, <laughs> with but, maybe but, my website, but just something so that um, you can't that that makes your photo as you see it on your website unusable. In the application of putting it, making it a print and putting it on your on your wall, and, and and there's no practical way for anybody to remove that, right? No. Well, what, once it's on that image, you know, it's there forever. And you have to do you have to apply it to the image, or or is there something in the yes. process of of putting your website together you can apply that to the images you've already uploaded? No, there's actually you would actually need to, need to apply that. On your image itself. But you could do it with using that table, using the photo as a background, and mm-hmm. that clear GIF you're putting over it, that layer you're putting over it, could be the watermark, right? It could be, yes. But some watermarks, you know, it'll actually, what it'll do is, you know, what any text that you use for your watermark uh, would actually be this, just the color of the photo, but just a little bit lighter so that it doesn't look like, you know, just like black ink strewn all over diagonally okay it'll actually be the color of your actual photo whatever is the whatever the, it is behind it or is because it would have to stand out somehow it'll stand out but like i said that would just make it a very subtle watermark whereas your okay. photo is still the main so you're going along with the color theme of the image that's you're right not throwing it, like bright it, red on there or... it, it doesn't take away from the image it just simply makes it unusable and in that form, if you're to make a print out of it, okay. Well, that's that's useful. Or if stuff. you're to use it on someone else's website that's not authorized to use it, okay. Do you suggest um, being able to present a slideshow of uh, of images? I think I don't know if more. See, I I kind of gear my thinking toward the photo editor, looking at the at the website, and I'm trying to think. I'm always trying to think. Does a photo editor want to click? slideshow and just sit back and watch a slideshow or do they want full control over and just go click 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 oh i like that one click 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 a photo editor doesn't have time to sit through a slideshow uh the photo editor because they're probably going by that's probably going slower than they they want it that's right right. and the photo editor they've got they probably have dozens of uh photo albums to go through so they're not going to have time to sit through a slideshow and you know, sit back, have a cup of coffee. That's just not the very nature of what they do. It's a nice option to have. It's an option for yeah. anybody else looking at your website. But I would say not to have sure. a slideshow be the only way of looking at the pictures. That's right. You keep it as an option, but the the default, if you will, should be one whereas the end user has total control over what images they see and uh, when it goes to the next image. If there's uh, a previous or next button. Okay. And again, it comes back to. Keep the image files manageable mm-hmm. so they can go through them quickly Easy and not to have to wait for something to load. Mm-hmm. Now, would you suggest a kind of a, 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 a not a slideshow, but like a a, a film strip where sure. they were they're they're not locked into just hitting next and seeing what comes up next? That they can see a strip mm-hmm. of the images on the bottom or on the top or along the side, sure. and click on they can look through maybe six at a time and go, oh, I want to look at that one. That that that's that to me is the easiest way to go. Okay. So that if you let's say you uh, 
click on one of your photo albums and it uh, brings up a, a pop-up window, which I did for you actually uh, a couple years ago. Uh, so you bring up your pop-up window and there are two frames. There's a frame on the left that has all your images on your left, uh, your thumbnail images, and you click on one of those thumbnail images and it'll bring it up in the main part of the window on the right. Mm-hmm. So you've got your thumbnails on the left and your main photo, the one that you've clicked on, on the right. You can scroll up and down to your thumbnails in that little film strip area. Just click on one and it brings it up. And the other thing that that does is that when you do that, you don't have to worry about navigating away from your thumbnails page and having to hit the back button or whatever. Another thing you can do is if you have your thumbnails on one page, you can do it so that when you click on one, it'll bring it up in a pop-up window. Okay, now I'm bringing up for Andrew on a computer screen here. I'll give you the link is derlingmedia.com, D U R L I N G media.com, and it's an experimental website I've put together as a kind of a photo portfolio site. Andrew's not seen this. I'm showing it to him now. But you know, illustrating what he's talking about is there's a film strip that goes along one side in the gallery. You can click on any image within that strip and it quickly brings it up. It is a flash-based website. But you can go to those images, or you can just do the next, next, previous. But if everybody kind of goes to this site while you're listening to this, and don't worry about it, do it later if, if you're listening away from a computer now. But um, this is the, the main page. And, and in this website I created through big, a company called BigBlackBag.com. That name comes from the Big Black portfolios you used to carry your photos around. But it's it's a, it's a um, all-inclusive uh domain and web hosting service that allows you to create your website. Uh, it, it's designed tor- for photographers, web designers, graphic artists. It's a very simple flash-based design. You work within templates, but the, you know, this is the homepage. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, you know, if you, people can't see this listening to the podcast, but you know, as far as a look, we've got a, a rectangular uh, template. All the links are, are neatly across the top. There's a photo highlighted in the middle. Just Do a you, very simple interface that it's very easy to navigate through. And uh, you were just showing me the film strip that uh, that website, the Big Black Bag website does. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's just very easy. So if you're to click on that image that you have right there and you go to your uh, your photo album, then it just it's very it's very clear. And there's a portfolio. It's easy to navigate. There's a portfolio mm-hmm. link that takes you to all the portfolios. And you just click on the picture or the link to go to that that port that uh, gallery, mm-hmm. but there are links across the top, and they include there are standard ones, and then there are custom ones they allow you to add. Um, like I've added one that says Fire Picks, and it takes you, it refers you to my Fire Photo website. Uh, and there's another one. It's an interesting thing on here. I want to get your take on, and it's Contact. Now there's a Contact page on here. You can put your address, your mailing address, your phone numbers, whatever you want to put, but also gives you them a, a viewer an email format now this is interesting because i don't have my email address on the site yeah if you want to have spam all day long exactly know. and this is a problem with i've had doing my own websites forever is the second i come up with a new email address to put on there bam i'm getting nailed by spam and there's a really neat feature to the, to the big black bag sites here that gives a uh, a format you know these different uh 
What would you call these? That's what it's. I'm assuming it's those letters, numbers that you're talking about there. Well, the whole screen here mm-hmm. it gives them a place. Somebody that wants to contact you, oh, okay. a place oh, that, to put that, their that, email, email address. That, an email template. There you mm-hmm. go. Gives a place to put their email address, the mm-hmm. subject of the email, and a whole big box where they would write the type the comment to you. But sure. also on here is a match code. This That's one, right. you know, a random letter combination of letters and numbers that you have to type into the box next to it. And that whole the whole purpose of that is so some spam computer can't send an email to you, right? That and is correct. That's called CAPTCHA. And what, what is it? CAPTCHA. C A P T C H A, I believe, is how it's how it's spelled. And how do you say it again? CAPTCHA. I believe. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, but but what that does is that you know it forces you to recreate that code in that box, and it's not anything that any uh, spam machine can decipher or replicate because the way they present it, it's all squiggly it's you know sure it's a wavy on a wavy line and i guess mm-hmm. it's in a form some kind of format a computer can't read that's right and we saw something like that you know in recent months with uh, the whole hannah montana uh fiasco whereas you had all these spam computers gobbling up all those tickets so that people who wanted to buy, buy tickets to see the show that they couldn't because they were all bought by all those ticket brokers. Okay. Like Ticket to... Ticketmaster has this type of thing where you have to put in, you have to recreate that's exactly the text right. that they give you. To... That, that, that's another application that that has. So it's something so that no automated spam program can capture and uh, and use. And I I I I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. I don't have to put my website on here or my email address for people to be able to contact me. They can fill out this little form mm-hmm. and send me a message, That's and right. and it sends it to whatever email address that I've told Big Black Bag I want to get my emails through. Is this something? That's unique to this, or is it a feature like you as a web designer can incorporate into a website for a client? And I have. I've actually incorporated that actually in my hockey uniforms website. I have uh, a guest book, and unfortunately I had to uh, insert a CAPTCHA code in there because my guest book was being infiltrated with spam. Okay. And the, the Big Black Bag also has a guest book feature on here too, mm-hmm. which is a, very similar to the uh, to the email feature, but allows you to leave a telephone number and an address, I guess, for yeah. mailing lists or whatever. Um, you have, but that's something that for clients, that's something that's easy for you to incorporate into a website, right? Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. I, and that's just a little bonus. And I'll put the link to Big Black Bag uh, in the show notes as well, but something you might want to check out. Um, it's uh, basically $199 for a year. And what's neat is you don't have to go get another hosting service. You don't have to find, they'll even get you a domain name if you want, or you can bring your own domain to them. Um, but what's neat is 200 bucks a year, unlimited bandwidth, you get 100 megabytes of storage on their servers, and you can pay for more. You can get 200 megs. You can pay for extra services, but for 200 bucks a year, you've got this website. You don't have to find a separate host. You don't have to do this. It's it's all within their site. It's very and user not, friendly. And not to mention, just looking at this for the first time, uh, everything it's just everything that I've been talking about. Just a very simple interface. Uh, just a well. It, looks pleasing to the eye it looks professional all the links are clearly spelled out on the top and uh, the colors are subtle around that and the photo really is the main part of the website and what's interesting is you can choose the background color you can mm-hmm. choose the the cover f- colors for every layer here but also even like when you pass over the links across the top they change color so That's you right. know which one you're over you can even choose the color it changes to mm-hmm and and the in- user interface for creating this page and editing it and making changes is so user friendly. They've really done a very good job at making 
making it so you almost can't screw it up. Yeah, you can make the background hot pink if you want. It's not going to look very pleasing to so the eye. So in other words, it doesn't take a whole lot of HTML coding knowledge. None. None whatsoever. None. Mm-hmm. It's done, it, it gives you your choices. It prompts you to go through these things. So if you mm-hmm. want a very simple, almost a no-brainer website, but something that gives you a very clean, professional look, which is exactly what we're talking about, um, this is definitely and a website, website just like this that, to that, check that, out. That's all, that's all that you need. And it's done. It's very mm-hmm. simple. And right now, all my fire photography is still on the firegroundaction.com website. For now, I'll probably keep it there. I'll keep, I, I've kind of decided that this big black bag site is going to be kind of the portfolio site for the wildlife, the nature, the more art-related stuff. And I'll keep Fireground Action as all the fire stuff, the sports stuff, that kind of more fun, mm-hmm. less formal stuff. But this is a sure. more formal presentation with, with the big black bag. But they have sample websites on their website as well from different photographers. So you can get a look at really within these templates how much you can do. So it's an interesting website, definitely something to check out. And again, that's bigblackbag.com. Now let's talk about domain names for a minute because I had to go and buy another domain name for this because I didn't want to move one of my other ones. And I came up with derlingmedia.com. Mm-hmm. I register all my domain names through uh, Network Solutions. I have for years, so that's just where I kind of keep going back. They're all managed through there. Um, do you have any take on domain names? Is a way to maybe because people like to be real creative. A lot of your more basic domain names are taken now. Yeah. So a real popular trend now is to take a name and misspell it. You know, like throw an X in there instead of a K and an S, or you know, like sure. film tracks with an X, or you know, it's P H I L M and. Because film tracks spelled properly is probably already taken. I would think so. People are going to are having to get more creative. Do you do you find confusion in that? I think if somebody said, "Oh, my website is filmtracks.com," and I, you know, I'm typing film tracks. I'm not thinking p h i l m m t. You know, where you if you have to explain how your website is spelled, there's a problem there. Yes, right? yeah. Keep your keep your domain name as simple as possible. What many people do is they'll just uh, use their domain name as you know their real name. Like, you know, if, like, if like you were to, yeah, CraigDerling.com, I got example. it. You can't use it. No. It's mine. That's right. <laughs> but that's interesting because I do have photographers that come to me and say, hey, I want to uh, start my, uh, you know, my uh, website. They haven't had a website mm-hmm. before. I t- first thing I always tell them, register your name. Go out there. If your name is available, get it now because mm-hmm. you'll always have that. And that's the easiest website. And it advertises you. You know, people ask me, what's your website? Oh, CraigDerling.com. You're kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's they'll always simple. remember that. They And that gets them remembering your name. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember your website. They don't have to get too creative to remember what your website is. It's your name. Mm-hmm. What, that's a great selling point. And, of course, the shorter that you can make your website name, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Which is harder to do now. It's Yes, because like I know that all three-letter uh, domain names, I believe, are all taken. Mm-hmm. Like AAA.com, you know, that's taken, of course, by the American Automobile Association. You might be able to get AAA1. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, a- what, what, why would you want to do Maybe that? Maybe the you steak know, that- sauce has that one. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but uh, let's talk for a minute about, um, about e commerce. Now, through your, if somebody goes to you to create a website, uh-huh. and that's uh, hopefully will happen as a result of this for you, you know, so. people will check you out and maybe get you a. Uh, get you some some business there because Andrew does some great work. Uh, but e-commerce, um, you know, people I'm sure would love to sell pictures through mm-hmm. their website. I do it. I use um, a web service to do all my printing. It's printroom.com. So if you go to my website and you hit purchase or hit one of the purchase links, it takes you to my print room account where you can get 
pictures of any size, finish, framed pictures, matted pictures. You can get baseballs and hockey pucks with your picture on it, mouse pads, products like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the point is to sell your images, right? Sure. So there are online services like that, like I use. But also you can sell things directly through your website. But you have monetarily, you have to handle all the money transactions, the shipping, and all that. Normally, don't you? Uh, there, are, there are different websites that um, uh, do e-commerce. Uh, some of them it'll give you, it gives you the option if you have your own payment gateway to actually use your own payment gateway um, and things like that. The one website that I use for e-commerce is called eCartsoft. eCartsoft.com. Card or cart? Cart. Cart with a T. Okay. That makes sense. Soft.com. And what I like about that website is that on your main page, you just add simple buy it now buttons that you can either use their designs or come up with your own designs, put on like buy it now or add to cart buttons on your existing website. And then when they click on that, it'll take you to other pages to complete your transaction. But what I like best about that is that you can actually design those checkout pages in accordance with the design of your own website. So you don't... so. When you're navigating that site, it looks like you've never left your website. You didn't go over to another website to complete your transaction. Oh, okay. You're actually that's good. Still, it still looks like you're still at that original website. The website, the web address on the top bar would look different, mm-hmm. but still, the look and feel of the website will not change. That's good because a lot of people would never look to the bar. If if nothing appears to change on the screen, they're probably not going to look at the, that's the right. ULR. URL. 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 <laughs> I'm dyslexic this morning. That's it. That's interesting because there's bigblackbag.com allows you with the regular account to sell 20 things through e-commerce on that site. You can purchase, I think, for like $79 a year unlimited e-commerce. You can mm-hmm. sell anything from the website, but it does it through PayPal. Okay. Which, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with PayPal. I use it all the time. And I think that, you know, more people are going to be are using PayPal to complete online transactions. It's a very secure way of doing that. And it is, you know, people think of PayPal as, oh, that's just eBay or whatever. Well, no, it allows you to use pay for things with credit cards, uh-huh. with debit cards from your directly from your checking account. It's, yeah, you, I mean, you, you basically anything but sending cash. Yeah, you don't need a PayPal account as a purchaser to purchase something through PayPal. Uh, you, you need a PayPal account, of course, to accept money, I, w- I, I, w- I believe. Uh, yeah, that is true. You need an mm-hmm. account to do that, but I don't know that you need a. No, you, you at least need... through the e-commerce stuff, you don't need an account. Yeah, if you're like eBay, mm-hmm. if you're doing transactions with PayPal, you need to have a PayPal account. But sure. I think, like e-commerce, you can just put in a credit card. You can put in different information and make the purchase. Yeah, all I know is that whenever I sell anything on eBay, the only payment method that I accept is PayPal. So okay, well, it certainly is easy. Yes, that's and, for sure. And in this business, easy is good. <laughs> <laughs> It is good. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of goes along with the theme we've been talking about the mm-hmm. whole time. Ease of use, easy to navigate, things like that. But, yeah, the e-commerce thing, and there are different services out there, Smug Mug and, and Print Room um, to to sell your pictures. And some there are some photographers out there that just use their, like their Smug Mug page mm-hmm. as their website. Because if that's all, if all it's about is looking at the pictures, well, you can do that sure. in a Smug Mug account, in a Print Room account. And you can enlarge them, mm-hmm. look at them, and order them right there. Um, I think you're limited in how much you can design into and customize a site uh, if that if you're using that as a website. But that's an option, right? Is just to use 
Absolutely, yeah. That vent that commerce site as your website. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're like I said, I said you're limited as to how much text you can put in, how much you can customize it. But if that works for you, that's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, we do have. Uh, we'll touch briefly. There, we have a question from uh, a listener, Tim Tim Tonge, and he's asking um, uh, about image layout. He has a few questions, and we'll try and get through them all. Um, but he's looking for a way to build a website that has a nice image layout that's pleasing to the eye, but also incorporates a blog. Because blogging is big now. It's very popular. It gives people that didn't have a voice before, maybe a voice and, you know, and uh, keep people updated. You know, here's my picture. Here are my pictures from uh, Alaska, from Katmai. Well, along the side here, or maybe incorporated in it is a blog. It's my, my writings of my experience of the trip, not Mm -hmm. just the photos, but incorporating a blog that doesn't take away from the images, but enhances them. Sure. Now, is that something you can incorporate as a web designer into any website? Or is it something where, it's maybe best served. Somebody's best served by going to a WordPress or a movable type type of a, to a, a format to to incorporate all that. Well, I have to admit, I'm not really all that experienced in blogging per se. Mm-hmm. So, if I was to answer that question, I would say the best thing to do at this point would be to have a link, like if you're to use a big black bag, to include a link on your top menu, uh, a link to your blog. Now I use WordPress for my blog. Mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I don't update it as much as I'd like, but I use it as a link from the main page of my website at craigderling.com. Mm-hmm. It just says, "Hey, click here to look at the web blog." Sure, and, and, and it takes like that's you very right easy there. To do. And it, and it's very clean. You can incorporate other things. Mm-hmm. I think with WordPress with movable type, um, those are primarily blogging sites that you can add photos and other things to. Sure, and it, I think it's a little more of a sterile environment creatively speaking for displaying photos but can i mean it's very popular wordpress with some of the templates they have now they look like regular websites sure even though they're designed for blogs but that's probably a good way to incorporate both into you can use on your photo page you can have a link to your blog and on your blog page you can have a link to your uh, your photo albums that's true so you know it might be easier just to create one of each exactly link to the link them to each other Mm -hmm rather than trying to put them all in one. Because really, you can link from my website to my blog. Sure. And even though it's a word-based format, you know, the colors kind of match. I mean, it doesn't look... Yeah, and and you could actually make both of them look like they were uh, partnered with with one another, that they're both part of, you know, the same type of deal. If you have, like I said, a link from your photo album page to your blog and vice versa. Okay. Otherwise, I think if you have too many on just one site... You may have a little bit too much. You, you and may have there you go again, cl- cluttering the screen. Yeah. And if it's about the images, the blog is a great addition, a great feature. Sure. Um, but maybe as a, an attachment versus incorporating it. Get, getting back to your photo editor, if you're looking to sell your photos to magazines, I'm not sure how much interest in your blog that that photo editor might take. He might be interested in your blog. Right. But, but you can do captions. To the photos. Absolutely. But a whole narrative about the trip or whatever maybe wouldn't interest your photo editor, but anybody else looking at your website. So you give them an option, a place to go to read that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we got some really good information. Uh, I thank Tim for sending that email in. Uh, But, Andrew, thanks for uh, coming all the way from Phoenix to do the show. Uh, There's been a lot of great information here, and I'll have a lot of links to put up on the uh, 
on the website with the show notes. But how can remind everybody where they can go maybe for you to uh, get your services in creating a website for them? Well, in creating websites, just go to amgwebdesign.com, amgwebdesign.com. Uh, we talked about my hockey uniforms website. That's at nhluniforms.com. It's updated every year at the beginning of every season, and we're at the beginning of this uh, current NHL season, so the new season is up on there right now. So you got to brush up on your uniforms. Oh, yes. Everybody go to the website to brush up on your NHL uniforms. You got it. And they can contact you through your websites and all that, correct? Definitely. Excellent. Well, you know, I encourage you all. I'll put the links in the show notes to Andrew's websites, including AMG Web Design. Does some great work, and he does it the hard way. You do it HTML, HTML coding. Yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> that scares the heck out of me. But I, uh, I respect anybody that can do that. But I think if you go to the website and look at some of the samples, you'll be really impressed. So if you have any questions for Andrew, would like him to come up with a logo for your company or your website, you do a graphic design, and, and you can put together some great logos and can uh, consult, uh, you can consult with Andrew putting your website together, or you can ha- have him help you do it, and, or he can do it for you. There so you uh, contact Andrew, get in touch with him. He's happy to answer any questions anybody has out there. But for now, we are out of time. We'll get back to the gadget of the week next week. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get back together for another episode here. But uh, if you want to contact the show here, you can email us anytime at podcast at firegroundaction.com, podcast at firegroundaction.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash firephotos, and we post questions and answers and different topics and conversational items there throughout the week, so you can get in touch with us uh, through Twitter. We also have an online forum for the show now, and you can get to that. We'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes. It's a Google forum, but please, it's free to sign up. Uh, Join in the conversation with the uh, Fireground Action Photography Forum, okay? We've got some members. We're, we're growing in size there, but that's where the conversation continues after the show is over. You can talk about what we talked about on the show. You can submit uh, topic ideas. You can ask questions of other members, and, uh, and they'll jump in and, and help you out with some answers. So go to the uh, website at firegroundaction.com, and you'll see all those links, including the show notes from uh, this show. You can download the show there listen to it there you can also subscribe to the podcast at itunes so go into podcast search for fireground and subscribe to our show and if you have a couple extra minutes go ahead and leave a review for us Uh, we'd like to to hear and see and read what you think of the show if you have any questions or ideas for us certainly let us know until next time everybody thanks for tuning in be safe out on those fire lines and we will see you next time on the fireground action photography podcast